welcome back to the ENC Leadership Podcast. And uh, it's been great being able to process things with you guys so far. And I'm so grateful to hear a lot of uh, feedback from people who are trying to apply this uh, th this mindset. And uh, I'm so happy whenever I hear people talk about this is so freeing. I realize I don't have to be driven by other people's expectations of me. I need to do what God's telling me to do. And being connected to people doesn't mean relinquishing my own responsibility and taking over them or letting them take over me, but we can actually enjoy healthier relationships along the way. So we're going to talk more about that. And just to catch you up, uh, you really want to go back. If this is your first time listening to us, you really want to go back to episode, what is it, five uh, with Seth Trimmer, where we talk about the interview of leading in an, in an anxious world. And so we take that interview, which is the premise, the foundation of this whole thing, and we took the different concepts one by one, we looked at the leader's emotions uh, the week after that. Then we looked at the leader's responsibilities. And then last week, we talked about the leader's relationships. For today, I want to zoom in. And next week, don't worry, we're going to get to how do I do this? How do I apply this? But for today, I want to zoom into the leader's relationships. And I want to talk about a very specific dynamic that is present in all of our relationships. And seeing this will help us, honestly, it will help us see how anxiety can be transmitted can be transmitted in our relationships. And it also helps us see, oh, that's what's going on. And seeing it will help us stay connected with other people while remaining responsible for our own actions and encouraging them to be responsible for theirs. See, this principle we're about to look at, the triangles in, in relationships, will help us know the difference between a valid need and a healthy connection in a relationship or overstepping into someone else's responsibility or someone else overstepping into our place. And finally, when we see this, we'll know what we need to do to adjust in ourselves in order to restore the relationship to its proper place. And what I'm talking about, if you saw in the title, is simply the emotional triangles. The triangles of relationships. Now, this is not uh, inspired by the last dance and the Chicago Bulls. And we're not talking about the triangle offense of Michael Jordan, Phil Jackson, and Tex Winter. But you could call it the triangle of offense because very often offenses move in these things. What are we talking about here? Uh, the book, The Leader's Journey, which has been like a huge guide for us. And honestly, there's so much more to this book. I, if you want to get it, it would be worth it. I've gifted it to a few of my friends and uh, hey, maybe we can make that a competition at the last episode, you know, like uh, answer a certain question and we can gift you with some copies of the book. But the, the book, The Leader's Journey, calls this the molecules of an emotional system. The molecules of an emotional system. So all emotional systems are made up of triangles. And see, when they become negative, I like this definition that's in the, the a podcast we'll link from Pastor Seth Trimmer and Pastor Steve Cuss. Uh, Steve Cuss defined it as a relationship of three people that really should only have two people in it. A relationship of three that should only have two. What does that mean? It means that there's three people interacting over an issue or, or a subject that really one of them shouldn't be there in, but the other two keep passing that responsibility over to them. Now, the book, The Leader's Journey, makes it clear, though, that triangles aren't necessarily good or bad, but when there's anxiety in the system, the triangles can help it flow. And the anxiety can get us locked in, and we get stuck in this continuous, chronic, almost fact-of-life anxiety-type thing 
because the three people are locked in a triangle and we maintain our positions and so we just feel helpless we feel stuck we feel like oh gosh i can't why do i have to have this conversation again why does this always happen in this time of the year why does this person always do that and then this person is going to do the other thing and we feel stuck how do we get out Let's look at some examples of triangles in action so that we can see it for ourselves and see, oh, wow, okay, that's what you're talking about. And I promise you, when my eyes were open to this, it it blew my mind. And it made me see ways that, oh, I'm being triangled or I'm pulling somebody else into this triangle without responding in the right way. Now, remember when we say, we said earlier that triangles are neither good nor bad. And we're not saying that all of these examples are bad. In fact, many times they're very natural for humans to develop. What I'm saying though is they're not going to help us um, manage our anxiety and really help one another until we identify what's going on. So let's look at these triangles and see what you can, if you can spot any of these in your lives. Example number one, when you don't want to tell someone your opinion straight, you don't want to tell them your opinion directly. So you say, when you're talking to them, you say something like, I was talking to so-and-so, to an another person, and they feel, and now you give your opinion. But you're quoting the other person in order to give your opinion. You're calling on this authority because you know it's not going to be valid or enough if it's just yours. What have you done? You've pulled a third person in, in this conversation between two, you've pulled a third person in instead of just saying your point. What are the three points of the triangle? There's you, there's the per third person, the person you're talking to, and the third person you're supposedly quoting. Why did we do that? Now, sometimes it's valid to do that. Maybe it's not really your job, you know, somebody else's instruction for them. But very often when we do this, I know when I do this, it's because the anxiety between the two of us, speaking honestly, where I can't really tell you what I think because I don't know how you're going to take it. So I feel the need to pull in somebody else. What does that show me? There's a lack of trust in this relationship between the two. And now we need a third person to help make it more stable. That might help in this initial conversation, but it doesn't help build trust moving forward. That's example number one. Here's another one. The flip side of that. Someone approaches you, but they need a third party to communicate their message to you. When someone says something to you like, hey, you know, what? I talked to Joe and he's really problematic about this. So you should do this. And you've all felt that. I've felt that. You've felt where someone tells you, here's what I think we need to do. But they, they quote somebody else who's not in the room. Someone you can't respond to. Someone you can't ask clarifying questions to. Someone you can't even hear for yourself. And so now, this statement just hangs in the air between the two of you. And the person saying it might even give you, you know, some kind of, well, I'm just saying. So now, what do I do with this statement? And if you've felt that, you've felt the anxiety that comes with that, right? And only only rightly so, because you're thinking, I can't respond to this because you're not, <laughs> you've given me no choice. I either do what this phantom person says and, and, and not and give up my own responsibility, my own choice, my own volition, or I fight what, you know, go against what this phantom person says and maybe potentially offend them. Sometimes we don't even have a, a person we have what in the podcast, uh, Steve Cuss calls it a ghost mob, a ghost mob where people don't even say what they say is, you know, everyone thinks this. Lots of people are saying this. 
And that triangulation makes you feel anxious. Ah, dami na pala nagsasabi nito. Oh, lahat pala sila, ganito na pala. Ah, kailangan ko kumilos. Stop. Have you thought about it? Is this what God's telling you to do? And see, that's when triangles become problematic. It's not bad to consult with somebody else. It's not bad to open up to somebody else if you're having an issue. But what happens is when we use this as an excuse to give up our responsibility, that's when triangles become unhelpful. Third example, a team member doesn't want to confront another team member, so they talk to a third party about it. This third party provides relief to that aggrieved person in letting them air their offenses and letting them air what's wrong with them. And now the person who did the offending is oblivious. And so now because there's relief, the one who's been offended says, you know what, actually, I don't really need to talk to them about it. It's fine. So the offender stays oblivious. The offended is relieved by the person who does the who lets them be their dumping ground. And this is going to be a semi-permanent relationship. Whenever the offended person has a problem, they go to their savior and they rant and then they feel better and it will keep on happening. This is one of the most classic forms of triangulation. You can actually Google it, the drama triangle. There's a persecutor, a victim, and a savior. And every time the persecutor does something, the victim runs to the savior and the savior either gives the victim therapeutic advice or listening to, or the savior might even be the one to confront the persecutor themselves and say, hey, why are you doing that to this person? Leave them alone. This is a very enduring form of anxiety triangle. And see, when we look at that anxiety triangle, think of it like a triangle with me, three points, a persecutor on one point, on one corner, a victim on another, and a savior on, on a third corner. We might be thinking, you know, if only the persecutor would stop, then this would all end. And you'd have a point. But the other two, the victim and the savior are playing a part in keeping this relationship going, this dysfunctional relationship going. Because the victim, if only the victim would decide, I'm done with this, I'm leaving, I'm breaking this relationship, or I'm talking to you, and if you don't change, we are not going to be able to have a relationship because what you're doing is violating me and the space God's given me. Until that victim says that, nothing's going to change. And the Savior is actually prolonging the pain because the Savior keeps providing temporary relief to the victim. Instead of the Savior saying, you really have to tell them what you think. You really have to go back there and own your life. own your And tell this person, and I can pray for you. I can coach you on how to say it. But I'm not the one who can fight this for you. This is yours to deal with. That sounds almost unloving to say it that way. And we'll talk later about how to not be unloving and that how it, we're not, what we're not saying is to, to be unloving, but at the same time, we have to acknowledge that, wait, this is a real thing. If the Savior would stop doing that, the victim would get fed up and then the victim would decide, I'm ending this. All of them have a part to play. Even our love life is like this. What can be more anxiety-filled uh, than love life? Right? And Here's what happens. You like someone, but you're anxious about the uncertainty. Does she like me back? Is he going to make a move? So what do we do? We get a third party to help us out, to figure out what the, the gossip is, to manipulate the other person into doing something that we want for them to do. The anxiety triangle is present there as well. 
I'm grateful for my relationship with Carla where we would go to our mentors and at that time I liked her Diko Pakayang Amin in this field like felt like such a far-fetched goal and she liked me for you know who wouldn't uh, she she liked me and um, by God's miracle uh, in my life and we were opening up to Paolo and Jen Ponzalan. so I would open up to Pastor Paolo unbeknownst to me she was opening up to Jen and I super loved what Pastor Paolo and Miss Jen did that they did not let themselves be triangled by these two people but they resp- Paolo responded to me based on what I needed to hear he did not tell me anything that Carla told Jen, and Jen did not tell Carla anything that Paolo t- uh, that I told Paolo. They dealt with us as individuals, causing us to take responsibility for our own lives, causing Carla to check her own heart and say, Lord, what are you telling me to do? And causing me to pray and say, look, I cannot play it safe with this. If I want to get to know this girl, I've got to tell her. And the rest is history. My point is triangles are normal, but when they go wrong, they can spread anxiety while disempowering us from taking responsibility over ourselves. What makes triangles go wrong? Well, number one, when you can't stay emotionally neutral. When you hear something bad about a teammate and it affects the way you interact with that person, even though it had nothing to do with you, even though you weren't the one offended, but now you're also mad, now you're also triggered, that's when the anxiety triangle is passing the anxiety to you. Now, it's not just that person's fault. You're owning it. Kinukuha mo kasi, tinatanggap mo kasi. It also goes wrong when it steps over our responsibility. When we take away our responsibility that God's given us and we give it up, that's wrong. We disempower the one who's being the victim because we keep saving them instead of letting the Holy Spirit move through them. Or we disempower ourselves by playing the victim and running to someone to save us when God's given us the power to act. In fact, if you really want to be a savior to those kinds of people, encourage them to act. Encourage them to hear from God for themselves. Triangles go wrong when we can't stay emotionally neutral, when someone oversteps over their responsibility, which means someone else gives up their responsibility as well. And thirdly, when we are hindering two people from having a real relationship by getting in the way. When we are hindering two people from having a real relationship by getting in the way. One of the most common triangles, if you Google this, emotional triangles in psychology sites and therapy sites, one of the most common ones are children and parents. Parents who can't deal with their own marriage issues and so they triangulate and focus on their kids. And you know, the most obvious form of this is the anak sabihin mo sa tatay mo na gaganyan anak sabihin mo sa nanay mo na and now this kid is like, what are you doing? <laughs> but then there's other ways of this where the parents in their own um, stress and anxiety over the lack of affection in their marriage will pour their affection on their kids or take out their frustration on their kids. Some of you, our ENC leaders, are in triangled relationships like that. And you have to realize that this isn't yours to fix. It's not. And I know that's difficult. And I know you're only doing it because you love them, but this is a misguided sense of love. And we have to go, Lord, what are you telling me to do? How are you telling me to respond? I I know this is not a a quick fix, okay? So please talk to your small group leader, your campus missionary about this. We'd love to walk you through that kind of thing. What's happening to people having a real relationship are being hindered because they put a third person in the middle. And the third person unknowingly or knowingly gets in the middle. Many friends get triangled by other friends' fighting. 
You have friends like that who often fight? Do you have friends like that who will have these public spats and then now the rest of the social group, the rest of the barcada knows about it. And so they're like, they go from one to the other. They got to solve it themselves. Another example, teammates who get triangled when we all know about the issue between two people, but they don't talk to each other, but we all know about it. And see, here's the thing. Leaders, uh, small group leaders, volunteers, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, pastors, church leaders, we're very prone to getting triangulated because people pass their problems to us all the time. In fact, that's one of the reasons why you're a leader. It's because you, you, you have the capacity to help solve problems. And so people give that to you. And that's not a bad thing to solve problems. But what we need to realize is participating in triangles is not really solving the problem. It's not really solving the problem because we're not empowering the people involved to take responsibility for their lives, to trust God, to hear from the Holy Spirit, and to rely on His power and own the change themselves. The most powerful kind of leadership we can do is when we empower people to take responsibility for themselves. We look at Jesus, for example, and his own behavior in triangles. And I love this book, The Leader's Journey, that talks about it. There's, they give a number of examples. And when I read it, I was like, oh my, that's so true. You know, there's this one time in Luke 12, 13 to 15, where a man says, Jesus, tell my brother to share my father's inheritance with me. And Jesus, if that was me, I, I would be so tempted. You know, oh, wow, family squabbles. Time for Pastor Joe to fix the issue. no. Jesus says, who appointed me the judge between the two of you? You guys, you got to figure out the greed that's going on here between the two of you. He didn't get triangled. In another instance, you know, in John 21, 22, Jesus tells Peter, you know what? You're, you're, you're going to follow me and you're going to suffer this death. And he, and Peter sees John and Peter says to John, well, what about him? What, what's his story? And so Jesus doesn't take that bait. He says, no. I'm not telling you uh, what's going on with him. I'm talking to you about what's going on between you and me. Jesus focused the discussion on Peter's relationship with him. Notice the book says, I like this quote, Notice how Jesus deals with the other two parties personally and focusing, focuses on maintaining his own position with each. Mary and Martha is another great example of this. Jesus, tell my sister to help me with the housework. What does he do? The, the book quotes, her, his simple response to an anxious Martha effectively removed him from the triangle she was forming to change her sister's behavior. He called her to examine her own priorities and to allow Mary her choices. How are we getting into this now? So, if you see triangles in your life, uh, are, you, are you seeing this? I, I had a good talk with a friend recently who was watching one develop. So we we're studying this book and he was watching one develop around him. And so he excitedly texted me and he goes, oh gosh, you know, what, what happened was he said, oh, the, there's this issue. Uh, I need you to fix it for me. And I said, wait a minute. I don't need to, you don't need me to fix this for you. You know what to do. And he thought about it and he said, oh yes, I'm being triangled and I'm sorry for dragging you in. And I said, no, it's fine that you're, you're talking to me about it just as long as you know I'm not going to take responsibility for your part. And he said, I got this. I know what to do with my part. And so he successfully extricated himself from the triangle that was forming. And the two people were, were able to reconcile with their own anxieties. 
How do we detriangulate ourselves? Let me read this quote from the leader's journey. When we become aware of our participation as the third person in an activated triangle, our aim is to stay emotionally connected to the other two players while attempting to remain emotionally neutral about the symptomatic issue. I'm connected to you and to you. I'm still emotionally connected. I'm still in the game, but I'm not emotionally uh, triggered by the issue that's triggering both of you. That's tough. That's tough. Let, let, me, let me talk more about that in a bit, but let me just read this other quote that helps it, this, that helps capture this. Detriangling is remaining connected to each of the other corners, but not getting in between them. When emotions are running high, this may be a bigger challenge than we imagine. The effort to to detriangle is an effort to differentiate ourselves from the emotionality of the other two, not an effort to distance ourselves from them. I am differentiating myself from the issue, but I'm not distancing myself from the issue. Does that make sense? I'm connected to you. I hear you. I want to hear you. I want to hear how this is affecting you. But I don't need to respond exactly the way you're responding. I don't need to do exactly what you're doing. I need to hear from God and do what He's telling me to do. And I'm going to resist any moves, any pressure, whether intentional or unintentional from other people, to make me give that up. See, that's why casting our anxieties to God is really the breakthrough move here. Because when two anxious people are dumping their anxieties on you, it's going to be so hard to stop ourselves from getting anxious as well. And so now we're stuck in the same whirlpool as them. But when we have a this person in God that we can cast our anxieties to, or other people who we know, look, I need to cast, help you, help me cast my anxieties to God, but they will stay differentiated, this is great. Let me tell you about a great way this can happen. You know, So very often I get anxious about stuff, I get angry about stuff, and I'll text my friends. And I'll say, hey, I'm going through this. I'll text Pastor Gilbert, you know, my supervisor, Pastor Gilbert, I'm stressed out by this thing that's happening in our organization. I know this is my responsibility to face. I'm just telling you, and I'd like to ask for your prayers. And what I love about this, I know I can say that to Pastor Gilbert because he remains connected to me, but different from me. He's not going to change his mind based on what I said. He's not going to adjust his position based entirely on what I said. He's going to take what I said and pray about it for himself, and then he's going to give me advice based on what God's telling, what he thinks God's uh, telling me to do. That's what we need. Let me read one quote, and this is all in the show notes on encleaders.ph. Hey, the website is up. But here's what it says. The most strategic role in the system is that of the calm observer. Someone needs to be in the position of being able to see what's going on. Shouldn't it be you, the leader? As anxiety in the system rises, so must our resolve to remain composed. As leaders, when we focus on the process, we learn not to automatically take sides on the presenting issue. Stay alert. The togetherness force will become intense, calling for you as leader to arbitrate. Instead, you must learn to stay focused on God, your principles, and your reactions. You must also learn to avoid taking responsibility for the relationship of the other two. Only by doing so can you ultimately be helpful. That's a mouthful. Let's break it down. We need to learn not to automatically take sides. 
on the presenting issue. Don't automatically take sides. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 17, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. How many more feuds and quarrels and fights and drama has lasted long because someone took sides prematurely instead of hearing the other person out? Don't take sides right away. Secondly, the thing I want to highlight, it said here, the togetherness force will become intense. What is the togetherness force? Uh, they described this earlier in the book where when people get anxious, there's a herding mentality that comes in where they're clumping together, calling for you as the leader to arbitrate. And you've heard this. Why aren't you joining? Why aren't you doing anything? Are you for us or against us? If you don't do anything, then you must be for them. And all of those statements have the same element of not giving you room to step back and consider. All of these elements have the same thing of presenting you with a false dichotomy. Well, maybe it's not false. Maybe those really are the only two options. But maybe they aren't. Maybe there could be more options. See, there's valid points on both sides, but you're not being given the time to check. That's what you need to identify. If you feel that as a leader then you know, wait a minute, there's anxiety somewhere here. Someone's forcing this decision to be made immediately. Thirdly, you must learn to stay focused on God, your principles, and your reactions. What is God telling you to do? Maybe God is speaking through this person, and maybe what this person is saying, despite the anxiety, is worth obeying because it's coming from God. Or maybe it's not from God. And we need to realize, no, 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 I don't need to do this right now. Are we here? You must also learn to take, avoid taking responsibility for the relationship of the other two. This is ultimately empowering to them. All right? So, as I end this one, triangles. One of the most obvious and, 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 and when you see it, you'll start to see it everywhere. All right? Don't be triangled. Let me give you three statements to help us um, just hold on to these things. Number one, say, you can say this to yourself. I don't need to do what other people are forcing me to do. I don't need to do what other people are forcing me to do. I need to ask God what He wants me to do. And, and to make it even clearer, I need to ask God what He wants me to do now. And just because it's in the Bible, just because other godly people are doing it, doesn't mean you have to do it right now. What is God telling you to do right now? I don't need to do what other people are forcing me to do. Secondly, disentanglement doesn't mean disconnection. Disentanglement from the drama, disentanglement from what doesn't mean disconnection. Ah, oh, this has been so helpful for me. Because I used to get so entangled with family drama, with other people's drama, with friends' drama, till I realized, you know what? It's not my they don't want to get along. <laughs> they don't they don't want to make up. They don't I've told them both what I think and I really hope they'll do it, but they don't want to do it. I'm gonna sleep well tonight. I'm gonna go to my family. I'm gonna go into my Bible. I'm going to go back to my calling and stay connected to them. If they want to reach out to me, I'm here to listen, but I don't need to make sure that they do everything I'm saying. That's up to them. Disentanglement doesn't mean disconnection. And thirdly, when I take responsibility for my life and allow you to take responsibility for yours, we will enjoy healthy relationships. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Wouldn't that be great where people take responsibility for their lives and we're able to stay connected to one another and we influence one another for, for good and sometimes for bad, but we're still responsible for ourselves. Don't be triangled. You don't need to do what other people are forcing you to do. Disentanglement doesn't mean disconnection. And taking responsibility for our lives will allow us to enjoy healthier relationships.
So ask yourself some questions uh, to identify common triangles in your life. Where am I giving up my responsibilities and looking for someone else to, to do them? Where am I getting other people to talk for me, to, to say what, what, what I should be saying myself? Where am I uh, dumping um, instead of confronting the real issue? That's one. The next question, where am I playing the part of savior in assuming someone else's responsibilities? Where am I being the dumping ground? Where am I the one who's responding and jumping to attention instead of letting people uh, learn for it themselves? And thirdly, where am I getting in the way of two people who should be relating more directly with each other? It's not going to be easy. First step is seeing it happen. But you know what? As we trust God, as we obey Him, as we realize we're set free by this truth that, you know what, detriangling isn't distancing but just differentiating ourselves from them, we'll actually be able to move to healthier relationships. Just to make this worth it, just imagine that. Healthier family dynamics, a healthier team, a healthier group of friends, a healthier society. We'll be able to do that when we detriangulate ourselves. All right? Next week, we'll be talking more about how to apply this. It's been a pretty uh, long series. I hope it's been helpful to you. But we'll be talking more about how to apply this mindset, how to be that calm leader. Anyway, this has been the ENC Leadership Podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and on encleaders.ph and the Facebook group. If you've got questions, just send us messages. You can reach me personally about this on social media or the account especially for this uh, podcast at Campus Joe on Instagram. God bless you. Spot the triangles in your life, all right? See it happening, and then ask Him for wisdom and guidance on how to de-triangle yourself. See ya.